Welcome to the Maybe I Can podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Weiss. I'm here to motivate and inspire you to stop using your circumstances as an excuse, just like I used to. An excuse to not take control of your life. It's time to stop living your life on autopilot and start taking purposeful action to create the life you truly desire. Let's do this together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Maybe I Can podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Weiss, and I don't know if this is going to work because it is almost eight o'clock let's see, on a Tuesday morning that I'm recording this. And I had my whole day so carefully planned out, right? I have different places that I have to be, different things I had to do. And I had to record this podcast this morning. And just like every morning, if you follow me on social media, I took Yogi for a walk and we wound up meeting my neighbors and chatting. And it's been raining for days here in New Jersey and it's still drizzling. And I go to come back in the house to get started and record the podcast. I actually haven't even had a drink of water this morning because the dog had to go right out and I couldn't get in. The door was locked. The front door was locked. And so I have a garage with a code. I go in there. The garage door is locked. And then there was a place where we would hide a key and it wasn't there. And I remembered. I had taken it out for a reason when I went somewhere. I don't even remember the reason. And obviously, I never put it back. Well, my son, Sam, is upstairs sleeping. He is, has an issue with his sleep. A lot of times falls asleep at like four in the morning. And he turns the ringer off his phone. And he is impossible to wake up. So I'm sitting outside of my porch. It's been about a half hour or so where I have been screaming, banging on my door, ringing the doorbell. And let me just say what happened was, how it happened is that my front door, usually we throw the deadbolt to lock it and we leave the other is unlocked. Maybe I shouldn't say that on a podcast, but you know, that's what we do. And Obviously, one of my son's friends left late last night and locked the door from the bottom. And I never check it. As soon as the door opens, Yogi's flying out the door. So I just closed the door, assumed that it was unlocked as always, and it wasn't. And now I can't get Sam up. And now I can't record the podcast. And I don't know what to do. I text my friend. I couldn't remember. Did I give her a key? Obviously, she doesn't have a key. Clearly, I will be making different plans moving forward. And I just started to cry because I had a bad day yesterday. And I thought, okay, today's a new day, which it is. And this is not a great way to start. And dreary rain for, I don't know, the fourth or fifth day in a row certainly doesn't help the situation. I called a locksmith. $300 to come out, and yet my son is upstairs sleeping in his room. Talk about frustrating. I got to let it go. Things like this happen. And right away, my mind went to, why me? I can't believe this is happening to me. Because yesterday, I was feeling very down. 
it was a Jewish holiday and I always go to my cousins and have a wonderful time with everyone. And I felt the absence of Gary. And even though Gary in recent years hadn't gone, he wasn't there. And it also, this holiday is, is a time to remember those we've lost. And obviously I lost him. Well, not obviously, if you're new to me, you don't know this. In the last year, it's almost nine months ago now. And it was hard and I left early. And like I said, I was not in a great frame of mind. Not a good thing to happen this morning, but this is life. The locksmith is on his way. It's going to cost me $300. I have to just let it go. But what I decided to do, because it's going to take a half hour for the guy to get here, this is the time I'm supposed to be recording the podcast. So I'm recording this on my phone. I don't know how the audio is going to sound. I have no notes in front of me, even though most times I don't have notes. But today I planned on talking about our limiting beliefs. And I was going to read you a story from my book about my own limiting beliefs. And I didn't really understand what limiting beliefs were. Um, but turns out we all have these beliefs that were ingrained in us as a child. Usually it happens by the time we're seven and we might not even know it's happening. And even as adults, you could think, no, I don't have any limiting beliefs. It's something you really have to think about and explore. And when I started to understand the concept, for me, it was so obvious that one of my limiting beliefs or two of them, I guess, was that I don't belong and I'm not good enough. And it all stemmed from my weight. And I was going to read you this story. And now I guess I'll just tell you the story. I, when I was a little girl and still today, I loved to dance. Anytime that music was on, I would be moving. And my parents also loved, loved to dance and were very good dancers. And my brother's a great dancer too. We just, we just have some rhythm there. But I just loved it. And I couldn't wait until the time where I was going to be able to go to dance class. And back then in the 60s, it's not like today where, oh, you're three. Come on, let's go to dance class. Oh, two, you've got a little tutu on. You know, for us, we had to wait till like kindergarten. And I was so excited to get my everything still pink. Even back then, I was always a pink girl. So I had my pink tights and tutu and my bodysuit and my little ballet slippers. Oh my goodness. I was so excited. I couldn't stand it. And, you know, I was chubby. And let's face it, chubby doesn't look as good in a tights and a bodysuit as slim does. And I remember being so excited and then walking into that room of little girls and seeing them all and looking in the mirror and seeing me and knowing I wasn't like them. It's like that Sesame Street song that they play, which one of these doesn't belong? And that was obviously me because I stuck out like a sore thumb. There was nobody else in that class who looked like me. And I have earlier memories than five of feeling that way. I have memories of two or three of 
feeling like I didn't fit in because of my body. And it's just like everything. It's so funny. I look back now and I think to myself, oh, if only I looked that good. You have this vision of yourself and it's never really true. I always felt bigger than I actually was. And I didn't know anyone. And I, I, I was shy because I felt like I didn't fit in and I wasn't worthy enough because of the way that I looked. But when the music started and I started to dance, I felt like a star. I have to say it. I, out of all the little girls, was the best dancer. And that made me feel good about myself. And people started looking at me differently. Oh, they started to forget that maybe my, I had little bulges coming out of the back of my tights where my thighs were bulging through. They didn't look at that. They watched me dance. And it was transformative. And I felt free and so good and in my element because it was something I loved and something that I was good at. And people looked at me and I felt good enough. And that went on until spring when it was time to get ready to do our performance. And I was so excited. And the teacher talked about what we were going to perform. And it didn't go down exactly like this, but somehow I was going to be either a lead dancer or the, the lead dancer. Honestly, I'm not sure. Probably the lead dancer. Because one day I walked in excited that I was going to start to learn my part of being in the lead. And one of the other moms, the moms of one of the other little girls was there talking to the teacher and she was holding a costume and a measuring tape. And they called me over. And that mom took that measuring tape and measured it around my little puppy belly. And she said, the costume isn't going to fit. I ran out of that room crying. Really, I can remember how it felt. Today, I can still feel how embarrassed, how hurt and upset that I was. And I ran out of that class and I never went into another dance class again until I was an adult. And I always look back and think, what if, what if I didn't let it bother me? What if I gave it another try? You never know. I was never going to be a prima ballerina. That was not my, that was not my thing. I wanted to tap dance and to do jazz. And I will never know because I was so embarrassed and hurt that I never went back. Not another day. That was it right there. And then the measuring tape out of the classroom or the, the studio, never, never to be, never to be seen again. And it's just a story that adds to the limiting beliefs that I already had that I was unworthy. And you know, when I think about as I got older, that stuck with me. That's why I think I was always, I don't want to say shy, but yeah, in big groups, shy. Never wanted to stand up, never wanted to speak out because I wasn't good enough. And people were going to judge me like they always had. And that doesn't feel good. 
So I might as well just go about my life being unnoticed. And it really now, it's so screamingly obvious to me. But you don't really realize a lot of times what your limiting beliefs are and where they stem from until you really start to explore them. And how do you explore them? Well, look, a therapist to me is always, you know, one of the best ways. And if I, I'm not a therapist, clearly, if you've ever tried therapy, what I have to say is if you tried it and you didn't find it successful, try someone else because it's like everything else. You've got to connect with this person and especially with something so personal as a therapist. So if you haven't found your match, he or she is out there. Keep looking and don't be discouraged. A lot of times just journaling on maybe some things that you are inside that you don't want to think about that you push away. And all of meditation, all of these things to try and get in touch with that little girl or boy who was made to feel a certain way. Now, let me just give a little caveat. Was it the teacher's fault? Was it, and I don't, I don't want to say my parents' fault, but my parents' fault. They did things to make me feel that way. They didn't mean to. Just like I know that I've done this to my children. I, none of us mean to. None of it was malicious. There was no malicious intent. It just happens. We're not perfect. We say and do things and don't realize the message that we're conveying. And I am notorious for that because so many times words just blurt out of my mouth before I think it through. And once they're out there, you can't take it back. And I see it with my son, my oldest son, Sam, all the time. I say something and he says, how can you say that? And I think to myself, yeah, why did I say that? Because that didn't come out right. And I know he's done a lot of limiting beliefs and they have to do with things that I've done and said. But you know what? We each have to work through them because we all have them. I got to say, I thought I was over it. Positive affirmations is another thing. Writing positive affirmations and reading them to yourselves. I am worthy. I am a whatever. And then there's, it's another whole, whole podcast on how to write those positive affirmations. But saying them to yourself every day, which sounds so stupid. I thought it sounded so dumb and ridiculous when I first heard this. And you feel so funny standing in front of the mirror. But that's what I did. I wrote them out on a piece of paper. And I try to stand in front of my mirror each morning as part of my morning routine, like before I blow my hair dry or put my makeup on and just read them to myself and look myself in the eye. But with all those things, I was doing a podcast interview the other day. The interviewer had read my book or, or at least browsed my book. And he said, tell the audience how you got over your limiting belief that you were not good enough because of the way you looked. And I said, I got to be honest, I'm not over it. I wish I could say I was over it. I would feel like more of an expert if I said I was over it. 
But truth be told, I'm not. And it reminded me of a time that I've really tried not to think about, about, and it wasn't that many years ago. It was seven years ago, exactly. I was on a girl trip with three of my friends, and we were in Jamaica, and I had just lost, I, I had probably had over 100 pounds to lose. I had just lost maybe like 30 of it, 40 maybe, and I was feeling pretty darn good. And I was 53 years old. If you can't walk around in a bathing suit and forget about it at that point, when are you ever going to get there? And so we were in this little like cove area of the beach that we were in. And there were only a handful of people there. And as we were splashing around, five guys, let's say, I want to say in their early 30s, clearly had been drinking show up. I don't know if they were having a bachelor's party, a guy's trip, whatever. And we were done. I think we found jellyfish or something and we ran out screaming like little girls. So obviously bringing a lot of attention to ourselves. And we start to walk away and the guys start yelling things at me. Like calling me fatso, thunder thighs, something about my big ass, saying to put it away cover it up. 53 years old I was. And I felt like I was five. I, I couldn't believe it. When is it ever going to end? When am I ever going to be good enough and people are going to stop judging me for my body size? And my friends were so mad and they were saying, don't listen to them. And they saw, they could see in my eyes, even though I was trying to be brave and strong and act like it didn't bother me, it bothered me. It bothered me a heck of a lot. And when that interviewer asked me how I got over it, I said, that was just seven years ago. I'm still a work in progress. And aren't we all a work in progress? I would say yes. And for me, look, I have other limiting beliefs, but this is where my major, this is my major, I don't know, cross to bear. Is that the right thing? I'm, I'm so with these sayings in life. And this is the one thing that I'm most sensitive to. And it's, it's followed me forever. And I got to say, I love all this positive body positivity talk. It's wonderful. And I need to get on that bandwagon because I didn't grow up in that time. And I'm ashamed. And I felt shame, not good enough, an outsider, all because of my size. Whether I was a size 24, a size 14, a size 20, I'm 18. I've been them all, except for the low ones, except for the single digits. <laughs> I've been them all. And yeah, I feel better in a 14, but it still doesn't feel worthy enough. And that's ridiculous. And I know that. I know that. I truly do. The good thing is I'm recognizing it now. I'm recognizing when that limiting belief starts to pop in my head, when I go to say no to something because I don't want to be seen or because I think I'm not good enough. I push myself past that because I'm aware of what's happening. And you know what? That's progress. I want you to give this some thought. 
maybe some quiet time, maybe some journaling, maybe talk about it with a therapist. Once you recognize this and you start to work on it, things do start to shift. It's not easy. Obviously, from my story, I'm going to tell you, it's not easy. But nothing worth fighting for is easy, right? All right. I wish I had a camera that you can see. I am literally talking into my phone. Yogi is sitting on my lap. And I'm talking to you guys. And hopefully the audio is good enough. If it's not, I apologize. I'll be back on my microphone next week. But look, I'm very proud of myself. I was crying 20 minutes ago. And now it's 20 minutes later. And I feel so good because I talk to all of you. So until next time. Thanks so much for listening today. And remember, you've always had the power, my dear. You've just had to learn it for yourself. Until next time.